It's All Things Considered, HPR, and I'm Dave Lawrence. This week, a guest we've had on a number of times, and uh, if you're into guitar, you probably are very familiar with him. And he is back in the islands this weekend, tonight at the Max McCoy Studio Theater, Friday, Honoka'a People's Theater, and Saturday, Porter Pavilion on Kauai. It's Stanley Jordan. This is Stanley recorded live in our Atherton Performing Arts Studio playing the piano and guitar simultaneously. It's Stanley Jordan. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) My brother. Giving you a big hug and a high five. Oh, so good to hear your voice again. Yeah, man. Yeah, you as well. And uh, just been such a pleasure to have you in the studio that time with us, playing the uh, our Bosendorfer piano and oh, your yeah. guitar <laughs> at the same time. Only time that's probably ever happened. <laughs> do you still remember that time? Oh, of course I remember it. You do? Okay. Yeah, that piano was amazing, too. Thank you. Wow. That was that's a special <laughs> one. We're lucky to have that and have had a cat mm, like yourself. Mm-hmm. Is there a story behind the piano? <laughs> there probably is, and I don't, I'm not, I, I should get myself equipped on that. I love piano stories. You know, that's kind of a whole genre. Like, <laughs> I don't know if you know, but there was a, this legendary piano at Carnegie Hall. Steinway was right down the street, and they had a contract with Carnegie Hall. Oh. And every three years, they were supposed to change the piano. But after three years, Carnegie Hall said, we want to keep it another three years. Horowitz and all these people, they all say, you've got to keep this piano. It's the best. Wow. So Steinway let him keep it. And then three years later, they said, all right, that's it. We're taking the piano back. And uh, Carnegie Hall was like, oh, no, you're not. <laughs> Went into a kind of a dispute from what I heard. Wow. And they never really resolved it. And it just sort of ended up down in the basement and sat there for a couple of years. Then the studio in Queens basically bought it an auction. So I know where that piano is. (laughs) (laughs) What a great story that is. They've kind of given it a new life, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, And these are unusual things for you. Talking about a new life, last time I saw you, it was a few years back at the Blue Note. You did the Stanley Plays Jimmy show, as in Jimi Hendrix. It was really incredible. These shows, though, talk about a whole different kind of thing. I understand. Maybe I have it wrong, but I thought I recall these are going to be really special. They're going to be solo shows. Yeah, so I'm back to my roots in a way, you know, and for a while, much too long, I haven't been playing in Hawaii that much. And so the fact that I'm coming back and bringing my solo again, I think is really special. And I love doing the other things, the jazz trio and the Hendrix tribute and there's some other projects I've got going. But I think that the solo is certainly from my heart it's just so close to my heart because i get a chance to feel really close to the people and there's a level of intimacy that can't be had any other way i just recently did my first tour of australia by the way oh wow and that was all solo and i said since it's my first time there i want to start with the solo because that is where i think people can really hear the soul of my music Oh, totally. First time I saw you was at Scullers Jazz Club, Boston. The late, great Freddie Taylor had booked you there, and that was a solo Uh one. I was like uh, leaning against the back wall on one of those high Mm -hmm. stools just watching you from from not that far away. And yes, I agree with what you said. When people see you solo, it's uh, the only thing that I hope isn't missing. Is there going to be a piano nearby so that you can demonstrate that remarkable bit? Yeah, I'm definitely going to be using pianos all the time. On the Australia tour, we also had pianos, except for there was one time where it was like this 
electronic piano and the quality wasn't really that good. <laughs> I, I got halfway through a song and I was like, you know what? I, I just can't finish this song. It's just, the piano's just not happening. Yeah. No, I, I don't mean to pull a Keith Jarrett on you guys. Yeah, no. <laughs> Sorry, that's it. Enough of this piano. It's uh, funny. I can just imagine. Well, that's a memory too for those uh, who, who get to see it. And, uh, and dialing in on the uh, last couple of years, do you have, when you think about the experiences of the pandemic, We've had all kinds of we, – we basically started doing the show, talking to people around the world remotely because all the concerts stopped. And then during it, obviously, it's been two years. So there's been experiences, moving episodes, perhaps being touched by some of the losses or, or just anything yeah. that you think when – now that I've given you just a moment to sort of let it percolate in your head, if you were to think, people listening, how did this guy fare during the pandemic? Was there any sketchy moments for him? Anything you can share? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, of all places to be at the beginning of the pandemic, I happened to be in China. Wow. In fact, it was uh, New Year's Eve of 2020, and my band played New Year's Eve in Shanghai at the Blue Note. And after that, we went to Beijing, and I remember the tour manager saying, be careful, there's a really bad virus going on around here. And we took the train to Beijing, and we didn't know the system, so we got on on the wrong end of the train. And we had to walk through the whole train. So we were less than six feet from every single person on the train. <laughs> and uh, I was pretty sick. I couldn't get a test at the time. But for about a month and a half, um, oh my God. I was really sick. And I actually, in a way, the lockdown was good for me because my health actually got better once I got off the road, you know, got out of the whole scene. I needed to anyway. Wow. So you had been there doing some gigs right before it kicked in, like a couple months before it really got wide exposure. And then you came back. Where were you in for the bulk of the time? So so then for the rest of January, I went to a few other um, COVID hotspots. Let's see. Northern California, Southern <laughs> California, Florida, New York, all those places. You I were just working January, it, taking a lot of chances. <laughs> So finally, by the end of January, I was just done. And I actually did some teaching at this amazing, legendary place in the Bay Area, um, the Rika Center for Human Enhancement. It's difficult to describe, but it's just, just look it up. It's just hard to explain. Okay. But I basically taught there full time for the whole month of February. And the wonderful thing about it, too, was... I started to give materials to some of my students, and I noticed I was giving the same materials to different people. So I just decided, well, I'll just post it online, and then I'll give you a link. And then after doing that a while, I realized, hey, I'm building an educational website, actually. My site, it's uh, Integral Arts um, Academy. Academy, inside of StanleyJordan.com. I wouldn't have done it if it weren't for the time out. Right, and then you're sharing and making that stuff available. I mean, there's how many people who are fans and or musicians who appreciate your work now get a little bit more insight into some of that stuff and the ability to learn more about your shared chosen instrument. Uh, another thing about the pandemic, too, probably, in addition to being able to start new creative ventures like that, which then continue, like the Integral Arts Academy, another interesting thing was to be able to, like, I found myself going back in time and listening to, like, older music that maybe I had not mm. taken the time to do. One example was YouTube 
suggested to me this really long Led Zeppelin live soundboard track that had never been officially mm-hmm. released. And so it was like a 20-minute, 30-minute version of No Quarter or something. And, it, and I found it really, really rewarding. And then I started finding more of that stuff. But one of the things recently I did online that relates to you is a very interesting experience when you talk about that development of your sound and what makes it so special. You were on The Tonight Show many years ago. The late, great Robert Palmer. The two of you sitting there. What a special version of Nature Boy. You think of Robert Palmer, this pop cat, this soulful New Orleans kind of boogie cat. But this is a whole Mm -hmm. different kind of thing that you guys did together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he had seen me somewhere. I forget where. And I think he saw me do some TV show and requested that we do that song together. And it was really interesting we hadn't met before but there was one thing that he said that really kind of stuck out in my mind so we're backstage and i had done the tonight show before but this was his first time and he said you know i've always kind of thought of myself as sort of the counterculture rebel you know not i'm not part of the establishment you know but here tonight, I'm on the Tonight Show. So that means that I'm the establishment now. <laughs> <laughs> and I just thought that was really cool, you know. And, and I think he was a little older than me, but because of the fact that I had more of a jazz approach, shows like that were a little bit more open to me. Whereas for him going on, coming from more from the rock side, and of course, doing Nature Boy, that was different yeah. for him. It's Stanley Jordan sharing stories with us ahead of dates tonight at the Max McCoy Studio Theater, Friday at the Honoka'a People's Theater, and Saturday at Porter Pavilion on Kauai. Find today's segment online in the new place where we keep our interviews, hawaiipublicradio.org slash roadstories. And join us tomorrow as we conclude with Stanley Jordan. I'm Dave Lawrence. <laughs>